Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com. That's patreon.com forward slash baldhead Bible. And there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. No sooner had the boat landed than Jesus was confronted by evil, demonic evil. See, I can imagine he steps out of the boat and then these two men come running out of the caves surrounding that area. Now, the caves in that area were often used for burial rites and for burying the dead. And, of course... That is where these demon-possessed men would be, right? Dead souls wandering among the dead, not the living. Maybe the local town had kicked them out and would not let them return, and they protected the city by armed guard to make sure that they didn't come back. Or maybe the people of the city used to inhabit this area, but now, out of fear of these demon-possessed men, they'd abandoned these graveyards, these burial caves. Maybe there were men and women of the town who had not been able to come back and visit the grave of a loved one because of these two demon-possessed men. Now, I'm just telling the story as Matthew told it, and he doesn't spend a lot of time describing these men, what they looked like or how strong they were or the havoc they caused. The only thing he says is that these two men were so violent that the townspeople could not pass that way. They probably beat them to a bloody pulp, whoever walked by, or or maybe they even murdered people who came close. These men, these two men, they were rejected. Living in the scariest place in the region, on the margins of society, in the caves of the dead. You know, I wonder, would they howl at night? Ho! to scare away the wolves and other animals who would try to attack them. I think these men, over the years, being demonically possessed, living out in the open in nasty caves, being shunned by society, I think these men became frightening beasts in of themselves. Well, Matthew doesn't focus so much on the physical nature of these men, but rather He focuses on the demons inside them. You see, Jesus wasn't afraid of these demon-possessed men. Like I said, I can imagine Jesus gets off the boat and these two men come running down from the cliffs and the caves, about to hit, punch, and probably kill these next unwitting victims who got out of their boat. And I can imagine they turn the corner, teeth 
bared long sharp nails out to claw their next victim when, bam, they are stopped in their tracks. This wasn't some average guy off the boat. No, this was... I wonder what the men did. Did they fall on their knees? Did they bump into each other and knock each other down? Did they writhe on the ground in convulsions because of the pain the evil demons inside them were feeling? I don't know. But I do know that the demons were scared God was there to torment them. Now, what did they mean by that? They literally say, have you come to torment us before the time? What do they mean by that? Does Jesus torment anyone? Why would they accuse Jesus of that? They said, have you come to torment us before the time? They were scared Jesus was going to torment them before the time had come. What was this? And How does Jesus torment? Now remember, torment is a big term for basically causing someone to suffer making someone suffer in pain. Well, remember, these demons inside these two men, these demons were evil spirits, fallen angels who do the bidding of their leader, Satan. And they are out to cause suffering and to create evil and chaos before they are eternally cast into the lake of fire. See, these demons, they know their destination. It's the lake of fire where they will suffer and be tormented for eternity. Matthew later records in Matthew 25, verse 41, Jesus says, Then he will also say to those on the left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. The lake of fire. The lake of fire mentioned in Matthew, 1 Peter, and the book of Revelation is a place prepared for Satan and his angels where they will be tormented for eternity. And the demons know this. They know this is their fate. They know that their end will be this terrible fate. So for the average demon, the only fun thing they have left is to create chaos and misery down here, to torment, make humanity suffer, to carry out the evil intent of their master, Satan. That's all the pleasure and fun they have before the time of their imprisonment and casting into the lake of fire, which Jesus promises in Matthew and in Revelation is going to happen. They're going to be cast forever into the lake of fire with their master, the greatest evil one of all, Satan, they're going to be cast into this lake of fire forever, and they know that. But these demons inside these two men, what they say to Jesus is that they're scared Jesus was there to torment them now, to mess with them now. They were scared to death of Jesus. And then they said something else interesting. They called Jesus not by the name Jesus, but instead by his title, Son of God. They knew who Jesus was. 
I can imagine these demonically possessed men, the minute they found themselves in the presence of Jesus, fell to their knees. They were probably big and burly. And remember, they're causing fear in the men of the town. They would beat up whoever came near. They would often kill those people that came near. These were not wimpy men, but in the mere presence of our Savior, they were dropped to their knees. They were in agony and fear, and they cried out and called for mercy from the man they called the Son of God. Now, it's interesting. The Pharisees who followed Jesus everywhere were unwilling to say who Jesus was. And I think even some of the disciples, maybe not of the twelve, but of the rest, some of those early disciples were probably unsure, and maybe even some of the twelve themselves were probably unsure if Jesus was God. And Jesus, in his ministry, about now, he begins to increasingly claim to himself the title, the Son of God, or, or later on, the Son of Man, both claims to deity. Jesus is beginning to claim that he is God. And here, these evil, demonic spirits, you know what's interesting? They were some of the first to proclaim who Jesus was. It's being done by a demonic voice coming out of these troubled, sad men. I imagine these men just fell to the ground in front of the great I Am. Now notice, Jesus hasn't said a word. He hasn't done anything. In fact, in this whole encounter in the book of Matthew, he only says one word. One word. And that'll be it. Well, these demonic spirits inside these two men begged for mercy from the Son of God. These demons thought they were powerful, but in the presence of the King of Kings, they were nothing. So these evil spirits, they asked for mercy. They essentially asked Jesus to not torment them by instead allowing them to inhabit a herd of pigs that the Bible says is far away from where they were at. Now, why pigs? Why did they want to go there? Well, I think because they knew their time tormenting these two men was over. And they wanted to cause more chaos. So why not go inside a herd of pigs and kill a lot of them? And why not inhabit one of the animals? God, Yahweh, declared unclean for a Jew. Even in their fear, even in their pleading for mercy, they were thinking in evil ways. They hated Jesus. By asking to go into a herd of pigs, I think it was their chance to thumb their nose at Jesus while simultaneously being punished by Jesus. So Jesus, he says one word, one word. He says, go. That's it. He just says, go. And immediately these demons flew out of these two men and inhabited a herd of pigs, animals that are disgusting to the audience reading the book of Matthew. And the minute these pigs were inhabited by demons, you know what they did? 
They ran down the hill into the Sea of Galilee, a whole bunch of pigs. Mark later says up to 2,000 of them just ran straight down a hill and drowned themselves in the water. These pigs were killed by demons. Evil, demonic, fallen angels made these pigs. Someone's property, someone's hard work, pigs that represented someone's income, they made pigs, thousands of them, kill themselves, drowning themselves in the Sea of Galilee. I, I can't imagine the mess of dead pigs floating around. It must have been disgusting. Well, the men who had been hurting these pigs, right, trying to stop them from running into the water, when they saw what happened, they ran into the town and began to tell everyone what had happened. And when the leaders of the town found out that these two demon-possessed men who had been brutalizing the people in the region were now free and in their right mind, when they found out that Jesus had caused these demons to leave by just saying, go, that these demons called Jesus not man or, hey, dude, no, they called Jesus the Son of God. When the leaders of the town heard all of this, they ran to thank Jesus and they brought other demon-possessed men and women to be healed by Jesus and the whole Gentile town converted to be followers of Jesus. It was awesome. Yay! Sadly, no. That is not what happened. Instead, when the men ran into the town and when the town leaders found out what happened, they came to Jesus and asked him to leave, to please get out of town. The Bible says they begged him to leave. They asked Jesus to go. In the face of amazing supernatural power, standing in the presence of the Son of God, what Jesus could have done for them, cleansing the town of evil. Instead, they asked Jesus and his disciples to go. Two uses of the word go. One declared the power and glory of God. The other use of go shows the evil intent of the human heart and how far men can be from God. One use of the word go freed two men from a lifetime of misery. The other go was a choice to keep things the way they were, because to acknowledge that Jesus was God for this town, it would have been too much. It would have changed all their lives radically. That I think the people realized for them to admit that this is God, they'd have to give up too much. So what is your response? When you see the power of Jesus, when you see that even demons call him Jesus, call him the Son of God, do you call him Lord and Savior and follow him and then go and tell others? Or will you ignore it? Realizing that if Jesus is God, if his claims are true, maybe beginning to realize if that's true, then I'm going to have to give up some cherished possessions, 
some cherished ways of life, some cherished attitudes, and some cherished sins. I can't do that. So instead, like these town folks, you say, go. Go, Jesus. I can't handle it. Life is better the way it is. Go. I pray you don't buy into that go. But instead you choose the other go. That you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you say, I want to go. I want to go to tell others about this amazing man who is also God, who died on the cross for my sins. I want to go. I want to tell others about him, about how he's changed my life, about who Jesus is. I pray that's the go you choose. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.